Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Well, good morning, Liverpool One Church. Go ahead and grab your seats. It is so good to be with you here today. A massive warm welcome to those in the room and those tuning in online and all our church family who are on holiday right now on the beach watching this. We are very jealous because it is raining right now in Liverpool and it's not too nice. So, hey, we can't say we are. We'd love to be where they'd be, right? But if it is your first time here today, then I just want to say a massive warm welcome. You are our VIP guest. We're so glad that you've come today. We're so honored that you've chosen to spend a little bit of your Sunday to be with us. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Megan. I'm married to my husband, Nathan. We're coming up seven years married now. We've got two little children, a three-year-old and a two-year-old. We were the crazy ones who had back-to-back babies in lockdown. I mean, I don't recommend it, but we love them. We get the honor and the privilege to lead the young adult ministry here, and we love it. We absolutely love this church. And I think you'd all agree that we are so blessed to have the most amazing pastors and senior leaders in Luke and Emma. We are so thankful for them. We are building this because of the diligence and the hard work they've put in, and we love them. And they're resting right now on holiday, so I hope they're having a great time. But I just want to speak, before we get into this message today, I want to encourage a certain group of people in the room. And that's those of you who have moved to Liverpool, because we're not all blessed to be born into the greatest city there is, okay? You might have moved here for work or studying or relationships, but I was in your seat not too long ago. In fact, I moved to this city eight years ago now. And at the time, I knew one person, and that was it. And it was pretty scary, but I decided to do one thing. I thought, do you know what? I'm going to find a church and just get plugged into church. And I'd done two things. First thing I'd done, I just started serving. We have the greatest teams here. I jumped on the impact team. We love our impact team. They're serving us today in red t-shirts. And I decided to join a life group, a small group. And honestly, they were the best decisions I've made. Because since then, I've grown in my faith. I've grown in my leadership. I've met friends who are like family to us now. And I get the joy to watch my children grow up in the place we call home. And you know what? That's possible for you today. If you are new to this city or new to this church, you can feel lonely right now and I get it. And it feels like actually this is, you know, no one sees me, I'm a bit unnoticed, but just keep coming. Jump on a team yourself, join a small group here at church because it says in Psalm 92, planted in the house of the Lord and you will flourish. And we've seen that come to pass and so many lives have stepped into the church. People have stepped in broken and they've left whole. Lives have been transformed and families have been restored. We've seen breakthrough in so many people's lives. So why not yours? Why not yours? You know, I'm excited to get into the Word today, but I believe God wants to speak into our lives, mine included. But I think it's only right that at the offset we pray. We invite God in because the truth is this message I've got is just words. Without God, it it can't do much. But with God, if he attaches himself, he can do so much in our lives. So would you bow your heads as we pray this morning? Lord Jesus, we thank you that we get to gather today in your house and freely worship you. God, we don't take it lightly that we get to do this, that we get to come to the house of the Lord and we get to learn about you. We get to praise your name. 
Today, I pray that you get all the glory in this message. God, would you speak through me? God, speak through me in my nerves. God, take away them, God, and have your way. Have your way in this message. And I pray that we soften our hearts to hear what you've got to say to us. Amen, amen, and amen. Well, as a family, we went away not too long ago. We stayed in a friend's house in North Wales. It was near Betsy Coed, who's been to the lovely place of Betsy Coed. We stayed in a friend's house, and it was this old, rustic, stone brick house. And when I say old, my friend rang me before we went on this trip, and she said to me, Megan, I've just got to warn you before you go that it is quite old, and in fact, the toilet and the shower are in the garden. I was going, how old is this house? I mean, I've not experienced this before, but hey, we went for it as an upgrade from camping, right? So we dealt with that. It was a lovely time. I think we've got some images coming up on the screen to show you the view from the house. It was lovely, breathtaking, lovely holiday. But you all know that these pictures are like far from reality, right? And if you're a parent in the room who's got toddlers, you will know that your holiday would not have been peaceful like them photos. We like to call it fun chaos. There is fun chaos on our holiday. And one of the many chaotic moments happened on our last day. It was the morning, we were packing up, and I said to my husband, Nathan, babe, can you just watch the kids? I'm going to go and do the dishes downstairs. And he responded, Meg, they will be fine. What's the worst that can happen? He just needed, you know, that five more minutes in bed. So I was like, okay, if you say so. I mean, we do have a two and a three-year-old. Playing nicely, it doesn't exist. But so be it, I went downstairs, and not to my surprise, within five minutes... I hear the loudest shout of Megan coming from upstairs. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I was kind of happy because I was like, I told you so. You know, like every wife loves to say, I told you so to their husband. But after that, I thought I'd best go help. Something's happened upstairs. So I run upstairs and there behold, two of our children standing on the bed, covered head to toe in pseudocreme. Like the thickest cream you could possibly imagine. Layla's eyelashes, they were literally like nearly stuck together. Like, mommy, you can't see. Like, she couldn't see out of this. And, you know, we took that one second to kind of laugh at it. Because as a parent, you've got to laugh at these scenes, right? Otherwise, you'll just cry. And then uh, we realized that we've got to actually clean this cream up. So we grabbed a child each. Remember, the toilets and the showers are outside. So we ran downstairs, out the back, like this, to put them into the shower. Only to realize that water doesn't remove pseudocreme. It doesn't remove pseudocreme. So I'd done what anyone would do. I grabbed my phone and I googled how to remove pseudocreme. And this is what it responded. First, remove as much of the thick cream as you can using a blunt knife. (laughs) Now, this wasn't going to work. I mean, we wing a lot and we probably take a lot of risks as parents, me and Nathan, if you know us. But yeah, Cleaning my child's face with a knife was not going to happen. So um, that was one of our chaotic experiences. But with all that said, I look back up this picture of the most peaceful, tranquil, calm surrounding, and it reminds me of how a lot of us live our lives, that we place our understanding of peace on our circumstances. We think that if everything on the outside is calm and it's peace, then that's peace on the inside. But for so many of us, just if like you were step into this holiday home, even if the outside is in order and beautiful, the insides can be living in chaos. You know, today's message, it's part three of the current series, God Is. Luke talked to us on Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is our banner, he will fight our battles. Emma last week spoke on Jehovah Jireh, 
The Lord is our provider. And today, I get the opportunity to talk on Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is our peace. You know, the Jehovah titles, they're illustrative of God's character. It's him trying to reveal himself to us. And what we're looking at today is Shalom. And Shalom means soundness, completeness, harmony in the absence of strife. It's best rendered as this word peace. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is our peace. And I love this series because I think when we start to understand who God is, we can understand better what we have access to as his children. And because one of his names is Jehovah Shalom, we too get access to this peace. God loves to give his children his peace. He loves to settle our hearts and our minds in his peace. He wants to make provision for us to live in this perfect peace that he's offering us. But the truth is, sometimes the reality of life can feel very far from what God is offering us to live in. I think if you take a step back and look at what's happening at the world around us, I think we'd all agree that every sphere in life feels like it's some sort of discord or disruption, whether that be international war or family strife, internal struggles. Peace just seems to evade us. And maybe you're in here today and you feel like your peace is short-lived. You feel like you're someone who just doesn't experience or live in that place of peace. Maybe you spent all your energy and your money trying to search for peace. Search for that thing that will give you peace. Maybe it's the holiday, then you'll get peace. Or maybe when you're free from that financial struggle or when you get the dream job or when you finish your exams or when you get the perfect guy or girl or have the weekend away at the spa, then you'll have peace. But I think we can all agree that we learn this comes to pass, that the peace that we're searching for, it doesn't quite transpire the way we thought. That actually when all these things come to pass, the troubled thoughts creep back in. The anxiety, it still lingered. The nights were still spent sleepless and the relationships still remained broken. Because here's the truth, the peace that God speaks about, it's different from what the world speaks about. The pieces are different. Jesus spoke about this himself in John 14, 27. He said, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Church, be encouraged because you might have felt like giving up in this area. You might have felt like peace will never come to your doorstep. You might have felt like you've done everything possibly in your own strength to live in peace. But be encouraged. Jesus said it himself there. Don't be troubled or afraid. I am giving you a gift. This is a gift he's given you. Peace of heart and peace of mind. And maybe you've just spent your time searching and having peace that the world offers. Well, today, church, you have the opportunity to experience the peace that God offers, the peace from Jehovah Shalom himself. And I'm gonna spend the next few minutes we have together just answering this question. How do we experience God's peace? How do we experience God's perfect peace? And the first area I'm gonna discuss is peace in our thought lives, peace in our thought lives. Thoughts are so important. They are the gateway to our emotions and feelings and our actions. I think you would agree the first place we lose peace is in the mind, right? We lose it in our minds. We are in this constantly ever-demanding society. We are always on the go. We're always consuming, whether that be from social media, the news, discussions, Netflix. It can be 
overwhelming. Our minds can become a battlefield and they can cause us restlessness. They can cause us anxiety. We can start to lay awake at night worrying and that is not the peace God is wanting us to live in. And I believe that God longs. He longs to influence, redeem and renew our minds that, so that we can experience his perfect peace. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. You know, two things he says there, two things that we can do to experience peace in our thought lives. First, trust in God, and secondly, fixing our thoughts on him. Trust in God, it's the foundation to our faith, isn't it? Trust, it's what we all needed when we first came to God. We put our trust in God. But how many of us truthfully say we continue to trust in God in all areas of our lives? If we were to fully trust in God, then peace, it, it would be present. Peace would be present. Trusting in God is believing that he has control over every area of your life. Trusting in God is believing that he knows the plans for your life, even though you don't. He's got plans to prosper you, plans for a hope and a future. You know, last Sunday, we learned about Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is our provider. And I think for some of us, we just need reminding of that name again that we can put our trust in the one who's going to provide all of our needs. You know, I love when Jesus talks about childlike faith. I think of my children. They don't worry about what's to eat or what they're going to wear. They, they, their minds are pretty peaceful. Apart from Peppa Pig, they don't think about too much. But, um, you know, they peaceful because they know that mom and dad have got their needs. They don't worry about their needs because they trust their mum and dad. And I think we can adopt such a faith where we trust our Father in heaven so much for our needs that we don't spend time worrying. We can just have a good time thinking on things like Peppa Pig, hey, if life was only that easy. Trusting God. The second thing Isaiah mentions is all whose thoughts are fixed on him. How long a day do we do this? How long do we simply fix our thoughts on God? The truth is, if you're like me, it's easier to fix our thoughts on the problems of life. It's easier to think on the negative. It's easier to allow our minds to go on a downward spiral. And for some of us, the mind, it can become overwhelming. We can become overwhelmed by fear, overwhelmed by anxiety, by depression, overwhelmed by the bad reports. They just keep coming in, overwhelmed by financial pressure, by the relationship difficulties, by the workloads, and hey, overwhelmed by the kids. I think we've been there. But the truth is, when was the last time, or have you ever allowed yourself to be overwhelmed by the goodness of God? Overwhelmed by how good our God is. Overwhelmed by his love for you. Overwhelmed by his kindness, by his mercy. Overwhelmed by his joy and his forgiveness. Overwhelmed by his provision. When was the last time you were overwhelmed by the fact that we have a king who sits on his throne, yet he knows us by name? It's crazy. But we spend so much time being overwhelmed by the worries that we don't get overwhelmed by his goodness. And I think that's what Isaiah was saying when he said, fix our minds on things above because he becomes greater and our problems become less. Paul confirms this in Colossians 3 too. He says, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on this earth. Where you set your mind today, church, it's your decision. You choose 
to fix your minds on the worries of today or fix your minds on things above. Fix your mind on Jehovah Shalom, the Lord of peace. And I believe, church, this is how we'll experience his perfect peace. The second area of peace I want to talk about is peace in relationships. Peace in relationships. If thoughts are not robbing you of peace, then maybe your relationships are. I think you'll agree that they can be the greatest source of joy for our lives, but they can also rob us of peace. Relationships can rob us of peace. And the difficulty of relationships is that it's a two-way street. It involves two parties. Like for those of you who love to be in control over everything, this is where relationships don't suit you because you cannot be in complete control. You cannot control how someone else feels. You cannot control how someone else will respond. And you certainly can't control if someone else chooses to forgive. But even so, even though that sounds like a really impossible mission to have peace in relationships, God knowing all this, he still believes we can have peace in relationships. But it tells me that peace in relationships is actually never going to come from the circumstance or the condition of your relationships. It's not going to come from the circumstance or the condition. It's going to come from your heart towards others. You know, peace over your relationships, it might not look like you reconciling with your ex-boyfriend or girlfriend. It might not even look like you coming together with your family over a nice sit-down meal. It might not look like you bonding with your children the way you thought you might. But it is possible. Peace, it is possible. It was possible for Jesus. Jesus was able to have peace with those who shouted, crucify him as he carried his cross. Jesus was able to befriend those who he knew were going to betray him. He had peace. And how do you know he had peace? Because his very last words were spoken was, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. It was possible for Jesus. But if you're like me, when the, you know, someone up here says it's possible for Jesus, sometimes I'm going, do you know Jesus was the son of God? Like, do you know he was sinless and he was blameless? So of course it's possible for Jesus, okay? I get it, okay? But how about Joseph? Joseph was just a regular guy. He was like you and me. He was a sinner. And Joseph, you know his story. You know that peace was possible. To give you a synopsis of Joseph's story, he was one of 11 brothers, and his brothers were extremely envious of Joseph. They were extremely envious of how Joseph's father favored him. They were jealous to the point of selling Joseph into slavery. I mean, if my brothers and sisters sold me into slavery, I'll be pretty annoyed. Like, I don't know if there's coming back from that. But if you read on in the story, and I encourage you, go read it for yourself in Genesis. It's a great story. But it goes on to say that Joseph was able to forgive and reconcile his relationship with his brothers who once sold him into slavery. Peace, it is possible. You have the ability to have peace in your heart towards others, just like Joseph did. And for some of you, it may feel like an impossible task. Some of you, you're still carrying the hurt. You're carrying the anger or the betrayal and the bitterness and the unforgiveness still. And I want you to know it's okay to feel these feelings because the truth is, hurt hurts, right? And people hurt people. But I don't believe God wants you to stay there for long. I don't, want, don't believe he thinks that you can stay there for too long. In fact, Hebrews 12, 14 says, strive for peace with everyone. To strive is to make great efforts to achieve or obtain something. Another definition of striving is to struggle or fight. 
You have to fight for peace, not just with those you love, but for everyone. And it may be a struggle, but we as Christ followers, we are called to be peacemakers. We are called to live unified, united together. We are called to have peace with everyone. Just imagine what your life would look like if you no longer carried that strife or that anger towards someone. Imagine the peace in your heart when it, came, when it comes to having that type of freedom. It's for your benefit, this. So how's it possible? How's it possible to live in peace in your relationships? Love God. Love God. And you're probably thinking, Megan, you could have come up with something a little bit more extravagant than just love God. The truth is, when I was looking at this message and seeing what I could say for this point, there was actually so much to say. The Bible has so much to say on how we should be towards others. I'd encourage you, go study it. There is, we would have been here forever. Like, you guys have got plans today, so I'm going to let you go. So love God is the best thing I've got. No. The truth is, when I asked myself the question, well, Meg, how do you have peace in relationships? That was the only thing I could boil it down to. It's my love for God. Because there was a time I didn't have peace in relationships. There was a time in my life I allowed people to rob my peace. There was a time in my life when I allowed the hurt of others to turn into bitterness. So what changed for me? How did I go from there to having peace? Well, it was my love for God. My love for God grew. And because I love God... I have to love people. Because I love God, I have to love people. That's how I believe we have peace in relationships. When you love God, the only option is to love people. John 13, 34 says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross. For who? For everyone for everyone. So if we are his beloved children, are to receive his love, we too are to extend his love. Proverbs 10, 12 says, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Love will cover that offense. Love will cover the multitude of sin. Love is the tool you need to forgive. Hatred and strife, they are opposite. You can't experience strife and peace at the same time. Love God, love people, and you will experience his perfect peace in relationships. The third and final area I'm going to speak about today is peace in our spirits. Peace in our spirits. You know, I didn't learn too much in RE during school. In fact, I actually sat at the back of the classroom and I sunk into my chair because the RE teacher knew my dad, who at the time was a minister of an evangelical church down in Essex. So for all you guessing my accent, that's where it's from. It's an Essex accent. But I was not going to allow this teacher to obviously ruin my street credit. I didn't go around shouting this out at my high horses. I kind of kept that very quiet to myself. So my RE lessons, I very much stayed at the back. But I did learn one thing from my RE teacher. She was teaching us one day on the Trinity and trying to teach us teenagers what it meant. So bless her heart, she actually done a great job because I actually learned what the Trinity was through my RE teacher. But um, she used this analogy, and I'm going to share with you this analogy because it stuck with me, and who doesn't love an analogy in these things? And she was trying to teach us that the word Trinity, it comes from tree meaning three and unity meaning one. God is three distinct individuals in one true card. And I don't know if you've had this in your RE lesson, but you might have had this analogy, but she used this analogy of a bottle of cream. And she said, imagine this was one true God. This here, the bottle of cream is God the Father. Then when God the Father sent his son Jesus onto this earth, 
He sent Jesus, still one true God, still the same form, but in different form. So this was Jesus. But when Jesus went to return to his Father in heaven, he left us the Holy Spirit. So still, still one true God, just in different forms. And you know what? I learned that. I, I thought that was pretty good. So shout out to all the um, secondary school teachers. Your kids are learning something and remembering something. <laughs> But I share with you this because I want you to understand what I'm referring to when I speak about peace in our spirits. The Holy Spirit resides in you the moment you put your trust in God. And the Holy Spirit, he has been given to you as a helper. In Jesus says in John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of all that I've said to you. God wants to help you through life. God wants to be in relationship with you. God wants to walk and talk with you. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to guide you and teach you. And he does all of this through the advocate of the Holy Spirit who's working on his behalf within us. But here's the truth. Not all of us will live in peace within the Spirit. Because even though these are God's desires, we don't always hold the same desires. We don't always desire to have God with us. We don't always desire to receive his guidance and teaching. There's times in our life where we just want to do life our own way. There are seasons in our life where we have a Sunday-only kind of faith, where Monday through to Saturday, we just do what we want, live how we like. And how do I know this to be true? Because I have been there. I've been there. I put my trust in God at a young age, around the age of eight years old, but I spent my teenage years through to my early young adult years pushing God out. But it left me in conflict, and the conflict was between my flesh and my spirit. Paul speaks on this in Galatians 5, 16 to 17. It's a bit of a long one, so it's going to come up on the screen, so follow me. He says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. You know, when I read these words, they literally described the season and place I was living in. I didn't allow the Spirit to lead me for a very long time of my life. Instead, I followed the cravings of my sinful nature, just like Paul spoke about. I desired to do what was wrong. I was pulled to that rebellious side of me. And I craved things that I knew they were not pleasing to God. And the result was I had no peace in my spirit. Instead of peace, I was living in conflict. Paul said these two forces of flesh and spirit, they can be constantly fighting. And that's where I lived my life for too many years. Can I speak to those in the room today who might be in a similar season right now? You might be in a season where you feel like you're constantly fighting God. You're pushing God out. You kind of want to do life your own way. Can I tell you that from experience, you won't experience his peace in your spirit? And I believe that peace in the spirit, it trumps any type of peace that you could be searching for. It is the best type of peace. 
See, in my younger years, the truth was when I pushed God out, life was okay for me. I had a bunch of friends. I was successful in things I put my hand to. I had life was fun, parties were good. And the truth is, it is quite fun doing life your own way. But the truth is, there is only so long you can continue like that. Because the fight, it won't stop. The wrestle within your spirit, it won't stop. Peace will not be with you in your spirit. So how do we experience that peace? Just like Paul said in Galatians, by allowing the Holy Spirit to guide your lives. And know this, when the Spirit guides, it's gentle, it's not forceful. The Spirit won't force its will on us. It won't force its thoughts or desires on us. Instead, the Spirit quietly beckons us into a deeper relationship with Him. The Spirit will prompt us in moments. It will remind us of His words in situations we feel tempted. He is our helper. He will help us walk with God. He will help us be obedient to God. Church, learn to live in this obedience to the Spirit. Learn to discern how the Spirit thinks, how it feels, and how it leads. Use the Scripture to grow in peace with the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm someone who has wrestled God. I'm someone who's tried life my own way. I thought I had it all, and I chose evil over good for a lot of my life, and I failed on many attempts. I made many mistakes, and someone who lived in years with conflict with the Spirit. But let me encourage you today, because it's possible to do it different. It's possible to have a fresh start. It's possible to do it a different way. It's possible to surrender it again to God. It's possible to go again, to do it different. Even if you've made mistakes, go again. It's possible to experience God's perfect peace within your spirit, because I am someone standing here today saying, I'm living testimony of the goodness of God that I experience his perfect peace in my spirit, not because anything I've done. I'm still a sinner. I still make mistakes, but I follow his leading. Where the spirit leads, I go. Where he prompts, I obey. It's his way over your way. And that's possible for you today. It's within your choice. You choose God's way or your way. Church, I'm going to ask you to stand with me as I close this message out. We have spent time today looking at peace and how we can experience peace in our lives. And we started with our thought lives, how if we are to fix our eyes on God, if we are to trust God, we'll experience that peace. We've looked at peace in relationships, that if we are to love God and love people, we can have that peace. We've looked at peace in our spirit, that we can have peace in our spirit simply just by following the Spirit's leading. But the truth is, these points, they do take time. They take time to implement. I'm 10 years on from when I was talking to you about. It takes time for these things to start to feel them in your lives. But one thing I do know is that we do have an opportunity to experience His peace in this moment. I don't know where life finds you right now. I don't know what season you're in. I don't know the battles that you're facing. But I know life can be hard. 
And I know we have a kind and a loving God. And He wants you to experience His peace today. He wants you to experience His love. He wants you to know that He is with you and He is for you. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.